Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. And you're very welcome back to Tip Today. It's time now for Global Politics and glad to be joined as usual by Thomas Conway. Good morning to you, Thomas. Good morning, Fran. Good to see you today. Sure, we have to talk about it, I suppose, Israel and uh, Palestine again. And you described yourself as a spiralling uh, situation with no end in sight. It's all of that, isn't I it? I think at this stage it yeah. is. I mean, I'm updating the feed on my phone and looking at how many attacks, how many blasts there have been uh, overnight in the past few days. The situation is seriously escalating now. We're getting to a real serious point and we're starting to see the Israeli military campaign take shape. They've resisted a ground force or a ground force invasion thus far, probably uh, influenced by America by Joe Biden's visit last week. It does look like they will go in on the ground mm. at some stage over the next while. Are, are the hostages playing a part in that as well? I think they would have to be. Yeah. I mean, we had two US hostages released, obviously, the other day. That was yes. great news for them. But there are over 150 still in captivity inside in Gaza. And I think they are unequivocally playing a role. They are deterring the Israelis from going in. They're obviously, Hamas will use the hostages to extract concessions from, from Israel, from the West. Uh, but it remains to be seen how we're actually going to get them out. I mean, it's a real difficult one. It's a real complex situation for Netanyahu in particular here. He has to be seen to go in hard, but at the same time, if he goes in too hard, he jeopardises those hostages. It's really, really dangerous. What about world leaders and showing a solidarity with them? I mean, we've certainly seen examples of that, haven't we? Yeah, well, we had a flurry of visits last week from US President Joe Biden to Rishi Sunak. Emmanuel Macron is there today with the Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte. Uh, they're all getting they're all getting over to Israel. We had, of course, the visit controversial visit by Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European yes. Commission, in which she expressed, I suppose, unequivocal support for Israel without condemning uh, some of their actions and telling them to abide by by war, humanitarian law, things like that. And that was obviously uh, an embarrassment, I think, for the EU from an EU perspective. But I do think the West is urging caution. I do think the West is uneasy when it looks at the situation now. When it looks at the Israeli bombardment of the Gaza the Gaza Strip in general, it looks at the amount of civilians being killed, yes. you know. Four, I mean, four and a half thousand, I think. Is four and a half thousand so far. Over 1.4 million Palestinians displaced as a result of this conflict. And of course, the other side to this, the other real dangerous side, is that it spreads. Yes, Uh, that that is the big fear here. Will you explain that to us, how that could happen? So there is a danger that this could escalate into a regional conflict. What does that mean? It means that uh, Hezbollah, which is an Iranian-backed militant group in southern Lebanon, might get involved. They have been aligned with Hamas uh, in the past. They're far more forceful, far more powerful than Hamas, have far more military assets at their disposal. There is a danger there. Uh, that they will intervene in this conflict if, uh, and I think they've put a condition out, if there is a ground invasion. So if Israel go in on the ground, and it looks increasingly like they will at some stage in the the medium term, uh, Hezbollah may get involved. You then have Iranian-backed militias in the region. I think Iran Iran is... eager to involve itself in this conflict. It sees it sees how it can stir up instability uh, in the Middle East and obviously it trades in uh, it trades in its proxy forces, using them to 
to engender instability across the region. So there is a real danger here that this could spread beyond right. the Gaza Strip. And that would have Israel fighting a war on, on two different fronts then, wouldn't on, it? On multiple fronts. Yeah. Now, the Israeli military is powerful. It must be said it's probably probably the third most powerful military in the world behind the US and, and Russia. Uh it has, you know, it is very well trained. It is support from the Americans, huge financial support. Joe Biden has pledged now. He made an address to the nation last week uh, pledging further support to Israel. So the, the military is well equipped, but how well equipped it would be to fight a war on several different fronts remains to be seen. I mean, it's a far different operation to what's happening now in Gaza. Because let's face it, Israel can overrun Gaza. It has the military power. Uh, and the assets at its disposal to completely pulverise the place. We've seen the, the rocket attacks. If it goes in on the ground, it may be able to root out Hamas and put an end to Hamas once and for all. But if this spreads beyond uh, beyond Gaza Strip, then yes. it becomes a different conflict entirely. And this is in light as well of um, uh, Netanyahu uh, getting involved with regional Arab leaders as well and sort of coming to economic um, uh, decisions with them as well. And uh, wh- 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 where is that now at this point? Yeah, it, it's, it seems like a regression for the Middle East in general because prior to this, Israel had had kind of started to ally with some, some, some of the Gulf states, the likes of Qatar, uh, the United Arab Emirates, even Saudi Arabia, yes. it had struck a struck a deal with with them uh, over trade and economic ties, and it looked like they were building a kind of an economic network in the Middle East that countries were integrating, coming together that little bit more. That has all I would I would imagine been shattered by recent developments. Uh, it has provoked you know further conflict. It's cast the Middle East back into conflict, back into the cauldron of conflict that has engulfed it for so long. And we see these economic alliances uh, and and other issues uh, basically switch to one side. The war takes precedence. You know, Israel have convened a war cabinet. Uh, They've brought together political forces from across the political spectrum. It's a unity unity government. It's a unity government and there was anything but unity prior to this war occurring. why, Why is he not paying a price for that catastrophic failure of intelligence that allowed Hamas to attack in the way they did. Why, yeah. why is that not? Playing? i got to say I'm surprised. I'm surprised the backlash hasn't been more severe because it was a catastrophic intelligence failure uh, on behalf of the Israeli intelligence services. It was astonishing that they had no word or no, uh, no indication that this attack was going to occur. Uh, so the thing about Netanyahu, I think he's... He's politically versatile. He plays he plays his cards very well. I think there has been a show of national solidarity since the attack, which happens in the face of terrorist attacks. We saw it happen in the United States post 9/11, and maybe a little bit more recently, France, the Bataclan attacks. There was kind of there is a, a a coming together of national solidarity, national unity. People get behind one another. I would imagine the time for for analysing this and analysing the reasons why it occurred has not yet come. But Netanyahu may face consequences. There is no doubt about it. Uh, He has to take some of the book. He has to take some of the responsibility for it. There's still some investigation going on into the attack on the hospital. Um, Will the result of that, will there be a result on that uh, that's definitive? And if so, will that influence Western thinking? I I think it very well might. I think, I mean, first of all, you have to condemn it in the strongest terms. Whoever sent the missile, the indications are that it was a Palestinian militant group called Islamic Jihad 
who fired the missile and uh, it obviously ran off course. It failed and it hit the hospital. That is the theory. Uh, certainly, well, the, there's other theories. There, is, there are other theories as well. Yeah, that is the yeah. theory that Israel are proposing yeah. or putting forward. There are other theories as well. And if it was that it was an intentional military strike on a hospital, then that opens up an entirely new dimension to this conflict. That, I think, would make Western leaders very, very uneasy. Uh, you know, we had Joe Biden there visiting the last week. I think that would make them extremely yes. uncomfortable. And if they're if it ends up that there will be boots on the ground, so to speak, and if there is a, a ground invasion there as well, I believe there's there's a whole network of tunnels and stuff under Gaza City where Hamas could hang out and uh, hold out and uh, with guerrilla warfare. I mean, it, it's amazing. It could be very long term. Yeah, this, it's it? like the catacombs in Rome. Uh, if you've is ever it? been yeah. to them, uh, apparently, well, I, I, for anything I've seen, I haven't been to Gaza, but I mean, I've been looking at the analysis over the past few days, and these are extensive networks of tunnels built specifically to endure uh, brutal shelling, to to be able to withstand the power of the Israeli military, the power of the Israeli air force. Hamas are operating out of these bunkers underneath the ground. Uh, they're planning their operations from there. And they're obviously holding the hostages somewhere in there. So it's a really, it's a really difficult situation. And I think it will take, it will take a ground invasion to extract those Hamas warriors from those tunnels. That is why mm. Israel is so eager. But this may take months. And, and huge loss of life. And huge loss yeah. of life. This is yeah. the thing all the time. We, we talk about military strategy and, you know, and I'm interested in it. I, I, I read up a lot on it. But at the same time, you have to be wary that there is a civilian casualty, a civilian death toll here. And it really is shocking. It's, it's a horrible situation on both sides. Isn't it just indeed? Now, we ask you to have a look at historic figures for us. I can't believe we didn't have a look at yeah. Jack Kennedy. How we but, forgot but we, him, we, I don't know. We didn't. We didn't. We yeah. didn't. We didn't. Somehow we, we he had slipped our minds and he certainly wasn't a president uh, who, who suffered from a lack of attention. Yeah. I mean, what can you say about him? JFK, uh, as an American, an American politician, served as the 35th president of the United States from 1961 until, obviously, his assassination, his famous assassination in 1963, but really rose up through the ranks came from a political dynasty. Uh, his father, obviously, Joe, was, a, was a, an, ex, an, an influential Irish-American yes. uh, who, 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 was, who landed himself in the middle, I think, of the US political establishment. Mm. And through the unions, I think. Through the unions. Well, through the yeah. unions, he managed yeah. to uh, eventually gain sway and gain, gain influence and became a very powerful figure and by all accounts, a very ambitious figure. And he had huge ambitions for his children, obviously. Uh, so he had a number of children. Uh, the, JFK obviously born into this, this prominent Kennedy family in Brookline, Massachusetts. Uh, he graduated from Harvard University in 1940 before joining the US Naval Reserve the following year. During World War II, and this is an important point of his life, he commanded a series of boats in the Pacific War and his survival after the sinking of one of those boats uh, led to him being a military hero. Uh, he basically led his troop uh, to safety from a from a catastrophic situation, and that upped his name. That that gave him prestige. He was obviously obviously a brave man and obviously an intelligent man, mm. and it kind of acted as the springboard, if you like, for his political career. Uh, it catapulted him into the political mainstream. And of course, the fact he looked. 
fantastic. Um, and, and television was in its infancy and all of that. And particularly, I suppose, the famous debate with, with uh, Nixon. With, with Nixon, yeah. and he capitalised on it. <laughs> and, and for people who aren't familiar, just that was one of the first televised debates in US political history. Yes. Uh, Kennedy was Kennedy captured the imagination of the American public. Nixon didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to look, what the cameras were, were showing, yeah. what was on him. He was sweating. Kennedy was was this model, model like a Hollywood statesman, star, like a Hollywood yeah. statesman, smooth and silky, yeah. and well able to talk to talk to his audience, knew his audience, and that immediately, obviously, captured the imagination of American voters uh, and endeared him to the American public, and it gave him a real uh, a real strong footing on which to launch his campaign, and his campaign took off from there, and it was no surprise really that he won the presidency in 1961. Mm. He didn't have it all his own way while he was in the White House. During his brief tenure in office, I mean, the main thing about JFK when you think about it is his time in the White House is his foreign policy and obviously uh, the attacks or the Cuban Missile Crisis and how close the world came to complete nuclear destruction, complete nuclear warfare. Now, you could make the argument that he negotiated a way out of it, that he, uh, he, he managed to resolve that situation, but others will then tell you it was a problem of his own making, that he was responsible for conjuring up that situation in the first place. So there are two ways, really, of looking at it, uh, but it certainly was a, it was a tense moment in, in American, in geopolitical history, really, uh, but a moment which JFK managed to navigate in the end. He played the whole family card, of course, with the beautiful wife and uh, the perfect kids and all of that. But of course, you know, in recent decades, I suppose, we're aware that it wasn't all rosy behind the scenes. That's no, for sure. no, he was uh, um, a womaniser, if yeah. I'm allowed to say that, if I'm allowed to say that, use that term. Yeah. I mean, he, was de- he had a devoted wife, Jackie Kennedy, and I would actually encourage anyone looking to learn more about JFK to watch Jackie, the film, because it allows for... JFK to be viewed through a different lens, through a different perspective from the lens of Jackie Kennedy, later Jackie Onassis. Yes. Uh, obviously a very... She, she had a difficult time with him. She had a difficult time yeah, with him, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she was incredibly... She was incredibly resolute in terms of in terms of their marriage, in terms of her devotion to her children. A, a fascinating lady by all accounts. But he, as I say, was a bit of a womanizer. He was a bit of a player. Uh, he had romantic affairs going on, elopements behind the scenes, and and that surely made their relationship rocky, made it difficult, and uh, made it difficult to yes. sustain. Of course, whenever anybody speaks about Jack Kennedy, Dallas has to be spoken yeah. of and uh, where he met his end. Yeah. The assassination. And it really was, you know, one of these one of these watershed moments, I think, in, in US, polit- in world political history, really. It has gone down in the annals, in the record books. People remember where they were on that day and so forth. It was... The first thing I'm thinking was it was a failure on behalf of the US intelligence services. Mm. But, of course... People will counter and say, put forward the many conspiracy ther- conspiracy theories surrounding his assassination. Was the what was the U.S. involved? Was U.S. government involved to some degree? Uh, was it the Russians? Was Lee Harvey Oswald in with the Russians or in with the uh, J. Edgar Hoover, the leader of the FBI? Uh, so there are all these different conspiracy theories. And you've read a lot around this. Have you made up your mind? I I can't. I yeah, mean, there yeah. are so many there are so many different threads and so many different angles from which yeah. you can look at it. I mean, I've seen numerous documentaries on it. Uh, and still I'm no closer to coming to a conclusion. I mean, I think Lee Harvey Oswald, 
obviously we know he was the assassin. Mm. That was that. That's one thing. He was then shot by Jack Ruby, uh, uh, an American yeah. or a Texan, a Texan himself. Uh, it remains to be seen what what role Oswald specifically played in this. Was he just acting out of his own? Out of his own playbook, was was he acting on behalf of someone? It's a very curious one, and it's it's a question yeah. that I think will never ever be answered. And and look at the amount of books and movies and yeah. documentaries and stuff it's generated over the years. In terms of what we should look out for, just briefly, Thomas, what should we look yeah, out for? Yeah, briefly, the well, week? the EU are making a renewed military effort. They're they're holding military exercises this week in the south of Spain. Now I'm scared about this. Uh, th- this is getting kind of scary. Yeah, it's getting it? serious now. Yeah. We're at the point where. Uh, a European military is becoming a, a viable prospect and uh, people can make up their minds as to whether or not that's a good or a bad thing. But certainly these this most recent uh, event, this is a military exercise. That, is this uh, sabre rattling on behalf of Europe? Is I it? think it kind of is. is I think it kind of is. And I think it's being, uh, it's being encouraged by the likes of French President Emmanuel Macron yeah. uh, and others, Ursula von der Leyen, maybe to a certain extent, uh, who are encouraging Europe to build up their military infrastructure that little bit more. So it's a really interesting dynamic there. Uh, But they are holding military exercises in the south of Spain. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. On on a more eastern front, we're looking... I spotted a story this week involving David Cameron. Yeah, this is a remarkable story. Yeah, Yeah. he's, uh, he's acting as the poster boy for... A multi-billion dollar plan to build a metropolis in the Indo-Pacific, the the vast Colombo port city. Uh, David Cameron is essentially the poster boy for this. He's essentially being wheeled out to promote the city, to promote this form of infrastructural development. It's part of... What's my, my geography is terrible. Is that Sri Lanka, is it? It is Sri Lanka. Oh, oh, Colombo okay. Port City, right. correct, is, is, is in Sri Lanka. But it's part of a broader Chinese project known as the Belt and Road Initiative, which we might speak about a yeah. little bit next week on the programme. Uh, it's a fascinating a fascinating one that Cameron has managed to get himself embroiled in this. Uh, we haven't seen very much of him since his kind of ignominious departure from the political scene prior to, or post-Brexit. Brexit, yeah. uh, so he's back in the fold. And finally... Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov obviously hailing deeper ties with North Korea. They're aligning ever more closely there uh, and that is of course a worrying alliance. The the focus has been taken very much off the war in Ukraine by the Israel-Hamas conflict but we must remember it's still ongoing. It's still a very precarious situation there. Is it not? I mean, you said this to us before, and I suppose we were accused a little bit of scaremong. It's a very dangerous world. It's a dangerous world. You know, we have conflicts on multiple fronts here. Uh, We have rogue actors. We have terrorist organisations. And 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 the possibility of escalation. And the possibility, and I think that is the the principal fear that many world leaders have, that certainly the Israel-Hamas conflict will spread further, that maybe the Ukraine-Russia conflict will, will extend beyond beyond the boundaries of Ukraine mm. and, you know, the more these things grow, the yes. more dangerous they become. And, so now, it's we, a, and now we have Europe uh, sabre-rattling. As you yeah, indeed. Right. Uh, Tom, it's great to see you. Pleasure, Fran. Thanks, Thank thanks you. very much indeed. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie 